In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear Our spirit One spirit just settle in breathe deeply in this moment and in that breath let us on the release let go anything we're hanging on to trying to fix manipulate change in any way shape or form in this moment and to understand that in our partnering with spirit what is the next right step is made clear for us because that life that perfect life God's life is our life my life your life we are here we have taken form to expand so that, that, that the infinite's possibility for creativity, for healing, for light, for blessing, for beauty and joy becomes more available by means of our lives. The creativity, the empowerment and the enhancing of that which are our inherent gifts to share and give and make the world a place that works each and every day in a better way on behalf of each and every human being is our opportunity to serve our brothers and sisters and in service to that paradoxically we serve ourselves there is no private good as our founder Dr. Ernest Holmes said so I celebrate that good today I celebrate all the blessings large and small that have brought us together today I celebrate our teens who will share with us this day that they have been they have been nurtured and loved as they traveled safely to California and come home changed and transformed and continue to be transformed I celebrate all of the lives that have been touched by spiritual wisdom upon this planet. And I open myself in this moment to that energetic and to that conversation at the deep levels of my being. And I support you in that as well. To stay present in the moment and for the deep listening to one another and to that inner voice. I give thanks this day for all the blessings, all the wisdom to know that Life is for us, that we are loved by life. For this I give thanks. I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Awesome. Well, good morning. We have a, a, an amazing Sunday uh, that has been rolling along, and we're building on the energy. And so I want to, uh, to begin our discussion today, we're talking about the, the practices of patience. We've been talking about patience all month long, and it seems like such a kind of interesting topic, and yet it is, it is such a potent place to start. And I'm going to invite our, um, our teens that you, and their teen advisor to come forward and share with us their experience in California. Uh, and then I'm going to build a little bit on why I think this is, is significant um, it's 
tremendously significant for these young ladies and for youth, but also how it impacts uh, what we're about as a community and, and as a movement. So it is my great delight for one more time. Thank you all for sitting through two services and standing for a bit of it and being part of it. I'm going to invite Sandra Gibb, the teen advisor, Saskia Brumwell Blessing, uh, uh, Jesse Labiel. Um, uh, Labiel? Okay, I won't worry about it. Emma and Ayana are going to come up and, and share with you, and I'm going to move to the side here. Good morning. Uh, two weeks ago, eight teens and two advisors flew to California, and we went to the top of uh, the mountain above Palm Desert, 6,000 feet up, and we had a wonderful camp. Uh, this is my fourth camp, and I, having been before, I know that when I come home, it's such a full week that sometimes I come home exhausted and one week, one year old, actually quite wrecked. And I didn't want that to happen. So I set the intention this year to have a calm, peaceful week. And I asked some people to know that for me before I left. I did have a good week. And uh, one of the things that we do at camp is called love offerings. And every morning there are necklaces that people start with and if they have someone that they um, experienced love from or they want to give love to, they give that necklace to someone that morning and we have a little ceremony around it. And on the last Friday that we were there, the last day, um, I was actually gifted a love offering and when the person pulled me up to the front, she said, I'd like to tell you why I'm giving you this. She said, all week, whenever I was near you, I felt calm, peaceful energy, and sometimes I needed that, and I just like to be around you. So that was real uh, full circle for me. So thank you. Hi, uh, I'm Ayanna. I'm 14 years old, and this year was my first summer camp. Um, at first, I was very nervous. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, even though I had been told what to expect. I just was very nervous. Uh, but when I went, I was... Bombarded, not really bombarded, but um, I received so much love that like the nervousness was like blown right out of me. Uh, I loved it. I, I felt like it was an experience that I had never experienced anywhere else before. Um, I learned about confidence and how much confidence there actually is in me, and I gained that confidence, and it's what drove me to speak up when I had something to say and um, I, would, I would recommend it to anyone else who has a teen and would like to get them out of the house for, in the summer. <laughs> uh, it's an amazing experience. They will love it even if they don't like admit it to you because they won't. Um, but yeah, thank you. Hi, my name is Emma. I'm 17 years old and this was actually my fourth summer camp. Um, so throughout all the experiences, I wanted to share with you one of my absolute favorite, which is one of the core um, concepts that we experience at camp, which is unconditional love. And we do various unconditional love activities throughout the week, but on one night called Empowerment Night, we have um, the biggest and best one that, in, in my opinion, that I've ever experienced. Um, so this year we did a whole camp angel wash. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's basically like a car wash, except for angels, so there's two people, or there's two rows of people that line up and face each other, and um, the cars, or in our case, people, um, they walk through 
walk through the line in kind of like a meditative state with their eyes closed and they receive love, massages, kind words from people. And it's just absolutely empowering to feel pure love from 340 people. And as you can probably imagine, this takes a long time. So by the end of it, the advisors had us chanting, touch, love, move, touch, love, move, to get us to all move along. Uh, but that is exactly why it was so empowering, because every single one of those people was so completely open to giving love and so completely open to receiving love that the people giving felt so blessed and the people receiving felt so deserving of it. And that's something that most people don't get to experience very often is really feeling deserving of 340 people's love. And I'm just so incredibly thankful for it. So I'm Jessie, I'm 16 years old, and this was my fourth summer camp. Um, it was a really special camp for me this year. Um, but first, I'm going to start off by telling you about this one workshop that we did. We did this workshop where we put on masks and we wrote on them our insecurities or things that we didn't like about ourselves or whatever it may be. And we went through a process and we would constantly be erasing these masks and show, putting on them our authentic selves. And then at one point in the workshop, the advisor who was leading the workshop, um, she said, we do not change, we only become more ourselves. So for me, this camp was really about stepping into my power and becoming my true authentic self. As this year, I ran for a teen experience coordinator position on the youth leadership team. And I was elected into one of the two positions that were available this year. So that was super exciting for me. And at the end of the camp, we at the end of every day, we do a nightlight peace prayer. And the three teen experience coordinators, they'll sit in the middle of the, we go in circles all around a candle in the middle of the room. And people just stand up at random and they say, peace to me is love or joy or whatever they found peace in today, in that day or that week. And for the last peace prayer of the week, the teen experience coordinators invited myself along as the other person who was elected into the position with me. Um, they invited us up into the middle of the room to sit around the candle with them. And the energy and the experience for me was absolutely amazing. Just looking around and seeing all of the people that I've just spent the last week with just stand up. And the energy was absolutely amazing. So for me, stepping into my power has given me this gift to get to experience this over and over and over again now. So I feel truly honored and excited to be stepping into this position with Saskia. <laughs> Hi, my name is Saskia. Um, I'm 19 years old and I've been going to teen groups since I was 12, so it's been seven years and I've been privileged enough to continue now as an advisor. Um, so this year was my very first year as an advisor and not only that, I was also an ambassador on the CSL Youth Leadership Team this year. Um, so that means I got to go a little early and set the space for 340 teens to come and grow and love and be loved. Um, so it's, it's this experience where I get to, to plan and to be there in this beautiful, amazing space for these teens and supporting them and serving them. And um, I also got to create, help create this theme that you see we're all wearing. It says, be beautiful on our shirts. And you'll notice it's spelt a little differently than the traditional beautiful, and that's because to truly be beautiful, you have to be you. You have to just totally find your authentic self, like Jesse was saying, and just 
believe in that, and that is what true beauty is. And so that was what this entire camp has been for me, has just been supporting teens in that and watching them grow from their, whatever state they're in on the first day, it could be nervous, it could be uh, whatever feeling they're having, it's usually not quite as open as the second or third day is where they step into that beautiful power that is teen camp and that is something that is, is hard to grasp out here or it seems in the real world. And so just watching teens do that has been an honor for me. And it's been like a whole different side, stepping from being a teen and stepping into being an advisor, stepping into my power. It's just been fantastic. Um, and I, we would just want to thank each and every one of you, because without you, our congregation, we wouldn't be there. So thank you. Thank you so much for supporting us, for loving us, and for supporting all of our programs. We are truly grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I, it's so wonderful. You know, every time the, the Cosmic Kids come up here, I always think about what they're going to look like as teens. I really do. It's like, well, okay, cool. And am I going to be around that long? Oh, of course, yeah. So. But, um, so I want to talk about this, pra this practice of patience because it's so beautiful to what, uh, what is sharing. I've been a teen group. Uh, years ago, I was a teen uh, representative on our leadership council. And so I, sp I did four years in a row at teen camp. And I know very well what happens in the programs, how it's put together. These teens come together. The leadership, like Jesse and, and Saskia, will come together and they will create uh, the uh, experiential exercises. And what those exercises do... Uh, is what I, I think is so impactful and, and powerful. And I, I've put together some information I think supports it. Because for their lives, they are transformed. And I just want to say, Ayana ran out. You usually don't see her because she's down in our nursery helping. So every week, she's here helping with these little... There she is. She's back. Okay, I thought you went down to the nursery. Anyway, but I just wanted to acknowledge her because her service down there with our... our the, so parents can come and, 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 and be in this environment... It's such a gift. So, Ayanna, I was just, I was just bragging on you. And I, I never get to, to do that, so I wanted to just take that uh, moment. But what I want to share with you right now is a, a wonderful uh, video by uh, Brene Brown. We're going to use one of Brene's uh, books uh, in this fall. And she's an amazing woman. She's written several books, and she's really looked at the idea of shame and vulnerability. But what happens for these teens, and why I was called to share this with you, is what happens in this environment of unconditional love, because it's really a bubble of unconditional love. They come together, they're given permission to love one another up in a really, really healthy way. Uh, and there's, a, you know, there's an advisor for, I think, every five uh, individuals that's very well uh, orchestrated and supported and, and loved. So I think we have, there it is, sure. And we're going to show this. This is about empathy versus sympathy. So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's a, it, very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole 
and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, <laughs> it's bad, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, you want a sandwich? <laughs> um, Empathy is a choice and it's a vulnerable choice because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. So isn't it interesting? But it's so true. That's why we always encourage people in our, in our tradition. It's based on this idea of affirmative prayer and partnering with a practitioner. And so when the teens go and they do these things and they're in families and they're, they're usually dyads and they're working on issues or things that are coming up. And you know what? Anybody else here been a teen besides me at one point in your life? It's a difficult period of adjustment and all these things going on and, and all these things floating by and to, to be, be with one another in empathy, which means that we identify with the emotional nature of the, the person and say, man, I've been there. I know what that feels like. And why this is so powerful and important and why it's so necessary for us to begin to have these conversations and to continue to nurture this consciousness is because it's so foreign to the rest of the world. I'm going to, uh, can we put up the picture of me when I was a little boy? There I am when I was, a, when I was young. I was in the monastery. I, I shaved my head then. I just think that is just such a great picture. You know, look at that little guy. He's just there practicing, you know, mindfulness and, and all the Buddhists. You know, what the Buddhist tradition tells us, and, and, and people have, have uh, said many times to me, you know, your tradition is very Buddhist, and it is. The Buddhists believe that we are pure and radiant at our core. Another way of saying that, that God and I are one, that spirit, that spirit is all that exists, and yet we have perceptions and we take on stories that seem to dampen that or diminish that experience. But it's such a beautiful experience. So the next slide is a picture of Thich Nhat Hanh. And I want to talk a little bit about him because I've got another video I want to share with you. But this is an amazing, amazing man. He's 87 years uh, in the form he's in now. When he was eight years old, his, and there's a great quote by him. He says, when the crowded refugee boats met with storms or pirates, if everyone panicked, all would be lost. But even one person remained calm and centered. It was enough. They showed the way for everyone to survive. Just one person makes a difference. And he knows this. This was part of his experience. So his family, so he's from Vietnam. Uh, what happened was during the Vietnam War, he took a stand. Remember that picture I remember? I was in high school, the, the monk that lit himself on fire? 
And I remember reading about that and going, I mean, of course, we didn't have the internet, so we had to wait and, and dig in, in libraries and articles. But Thich Nhat Hanh talks about uh, a portion of it in this, this video I'm going to show you today. It won't be in the part I show you, but he talks about that monk. And he said, the reason that we did that was because no one was listening, that we wanted peace, we wanted this, this violence to end for our country, and no one was listening. And so we knew that we had to call attention to ourselves so our voice could be heard. And he said, so what we did is we, ch we chose one of the most uh, sacred monks we had. It wasn't like, oh, you're the new guy, so you're going to get lit on fire today. It was one of the, the most deeply grounded, centered monks, that, one of the teachers that, uh, that volunteered. And he said it was not an act of despair, it was an act of love. So that the, the, the presence and the, and the consciousness and the idea could be more apparent. He traveled um, out of the country at a point in time and uh, he met Martin Luther King, did work with King. Well, when he left the country, he wasn't allowed back into Vietnam for 39 years. He was exiled. They didn't want him back because they didn't want to hear this conversation about peace and, 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 and compassion. It had nothing to do with the agendas that were going on. Both sides wanted to fight to a conclusion. And so he was not supported in that. But he met Martin Luther King in a 19, and, and King eventually nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize. When he met Martin Luther King, he, was, uh, he said it was very significant for him. And he said the morning before King went out and took a, took a stand against the Vietnam War, which was in Chicago, they had a discussion for about 45 minutes prior to that speech he gave. And he talked about how the United States needed to end this war, that there needed to be a, a deeper dialogue, there needed to be compassion, there needed to be deep listening. And he said, and Oprah asked him in the interview, do you think that influenced what Dr. King had to say? And he said, absolutely. Um, of course, in 1968, Dr. King was assassinated. And he said, it, 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 just, it just affected him so deeply because he said, here it was that the United States had, had lifted up and created King by what was happening, but they weren't able to hold him. And he said he couldn't eat or sleep for days. He was so upset, so upset. And he said, I had to, do, I had to use my practice to get through it. And his practice is mindfulness. His practice is meditation. His practice is, is compassion, being the presence of compassion on the planet. And he said it was very difficult to practice. And so this is a, a piece of this that I think fits so beautifully into this idea of empathy and deep listening. And why what, what the teens are being introduced and, and exposed to is this practice. And so uh, I'm going to let, uh, is it possible to, to put that video up right now, Kev? It might take us a moment. We're doing really good. We couldn't get any of the videos to play at the earlier service, which really allowed me to practice patience in front of 200 people, I want you to know. So it was perfect for the talk today. Okay, so here he is. It's in the middle of a, it's a three and a half minute uh, piece, but uh, thank you, Kev. We smile a lot in our community. You refer to, I can't remember which book, but you talk about deep listening also. Deep listening is the kind of listening that can help uh, relieve the suffering of the other person. Uh, you can call it uh, compassionate listening. You listen with only one purpose, help him or her to empty his heart. And if you remember that uh, you are helping him or her to suffer less, and then even if he say things full of uh, wrong perceptions, full of bitterness, you are still capable to continue to listen with compassion. Because you know that listening like that, 
with compassion, you give him or her a chance to suffer less. If you want to help him or her to correct his perception, and then you wait for another time, but for this, the time being, you just listen with compassion and help him or her to, to suffer less. And one hour like that can bring transformation and healing. So I love this idea of deep listening because oftentimes when someone comes to you and they want to really vent, they want to purge whatever is going on inside them, people start talking and giving advice. So if you allow the person just to let whatever those feelings are to come out and then at another time come back to them with your advice or your comments, you would, you would experience a, a, a deeper healing. That's what you're saying. Yes, uh, the fear, the anger, and the despair is born on the ground of wrong perception. And we have wrong perceptions concerning ourselves and the other person. And that is the foundation for conflict and war and violence. You've said that the only way we can begin to end war is, be, is, is due to communication between people. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we should be able to say like this, dear friends, dear people, I know that you suffer a lot. I have not understood enough of your difficulties and suffering. It's not our intention to make you suffer more. It is the opposite. So please tell us about your suffering, your difficulties. I'm eager to learn to understand. You have to start like that, loving speech. And if you are honest, if you are true, they will open their heart and tell us. And then we practice compassionate, deep listening. And during the process of deep listening, we can learn so much about our own perception and their perceptions. Mm-hmm. And that is the best way, the only way to remove terrorism. Terrorism or even difficulties between your, yourself and yes. family members or friends. Yes. And the principle is the same no matter the conflict. Yes. Terrorists, anti-terrorists, yes. father and son, right. yourself and your boss, right. yourself and your children, your best friend. Yes. So it's, it's fascinating to watch this band, so 87 years old, and talk about the very thing that MJ Ryan is speaking of with patience. She tells a story in her book of adopting her daughter, Anna, and Anna came from China. She said when Anna showed up, she was 18 months old. She had burns on the, her backside from, from being in uh, uh, filthy conditions as a little girl, and when, he, when, when she came to their life, her and her husband, the first four years, one of them would spend the whole night in the, Anna's bedroom because Anna would have, she would kick and scream in her sleep and she would have what they called night terrors. And it was because of the, 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 the uh, uh, MJ Ryan theorizes because of the abandonment and the conditions and, and what was happening in her life. So what they learned was that they, you're st- you're, they would sit there with this child at the, and, and over time the child got too big to sort of restrain because at first they would hold the baby. Uh, but they would sit there and they realized that, uh, as Thich Nhat Hanh said about, if one person can remain calm in the storm or when the pirates show up, it helps everyone. And she learned this technique by studying his material and centering herself and just centering her. And she would imagine herself at, uh, at this metaphor of a tree and at the base of the tree because the base of the tree is always so grounded and solid. But it was a practice that she said helped her get through the pain and suffering of another which helped her empathize and it helped her. So empathy is this idea that, that, man, I get it. I've been there too. 
and I'm here for you. And this is what happens with our teens. You know, it seems like, you know, we put a lot of energy and, we, and attention to that because, you know, it's been one of my commitments in the, since I've come here that, uh, that every, every person that wanted to have an opportunity to experience this, we would help create that environment. And they fundraise and they work and we've got many people involved with that and over the years many people have cycled through that to keep that alive. But it's such a precious opportunity to plant seeds at a, such an impressionable age that impact lives uh, on a continuum. And so it's, so it's so joyful for me to be part of that and to see them be transformed in that experience. And a lot of it is just the empathy, identifying with one another and saying, man, I've been there with you. I know what that feels like. Brene Brown says, says that the, the thing about this is, is that you, with empathy and sharing our story, so as practitioners, what we do is we let people come out and as Thich Nhat Hanh said, we let them empty themselves out, pour themselves out. So as practitioners, we hold the watch of, of the divinity within an individual so they can tell their story in a place that is sacred and is held confidentially and let that cup get emptied out enough so then the question can be asked, okay, man, I hear you, that's, just, that's a rough go. Where do you want to go now? What can I support you in a new idea? And that's, that's one of the core tenets of what we teach here. We borrow one another's beliefs and consciousness. So Thich Nhat Hanh says, you don't, you know, and, and Brene Brown says, you have, to have, you have to practice listening. It's not something that we're good at. Brene Brown said there's, there's, there's six people, there's six styles of people you don't want to share your story with. Because so, not everybody's equipped for it. She said number one style is you share with the wrong person and now you have to help them because they spin out. They feel so bad about your situation. It's like they, you're take, now you're saving them. The second kind is the feel, they, they, they feel so sorry for you. Oh, poor you, which is another form of sympathy. Oh, man. It really, it's horrible to be you. Look at that. Number three, the friend is so disappointed that you're about your imperfections. Imperfections are part of life. It's seeing beyond the imperfections. It's seeing beyond whatever it is that we're holding because the, the core of what we are, as the Buddhists would say and as Dr. Holmes would say, is there's only one life, God's life. You're expressing it. And we can put so much value on the imperfections and it, it diminishes the relationship. Number four, we, we scold. We say to the person, we'll say to you, well, how could you let that happen to you? Which takes us nowhere once again becomes a weapon. Why would we want to share more? Five, the friend is all about making it better. There's a very popular one. I've done all these, by the way. You know, oh, oh you're make, it's not as bad as you think it is. Stop that. Which doesn't help either. It's another form of sympathy rather than empathy. And number six, the friend will say, oh, you think that's bad? Wait till I tell you what happened to me. So all these, are, all these are indicators, Whether and, and I share them because when I read those, I thought, wow, I've done all those things. But to, to just be present with one another, say, man, I know exactly what it feels like to feel lost, to feel like you have not achieved what you set out to achieve. That's the human condition. And to have people in our lives that can do that. So teens go to teen camp, there's a lot of that that goes on. And they're learning the skills as well. But this is the proficiency and what it takes us to at the end of the line of this is Technon Onset. It's the way that we, we, we bring peace to our lives, to our countries, to our planet. You know, there's things going on in Israel. They have been fighting in Israel. They're launching out rockets again. They've been fighting there for the last, you know, 4,000 years. And it takes a lot of courage to do this work. A lot of courage. So we just practice a little at a time. Technon Onset says practice, practice. And he says this, he said that, well, he, number one, he says, you share your story with people who have earned the right to hear your story. You share with people that have earned the right 
people that are prayed up, people that have the consciousness that you can sit with and, and share in the, in the story in a way. So it's not fixing it, it's not stuffing it, it's not all these, these uh, designators or descri- describers that I just uh, articulated, but it's just being present. People who can bear the weight of our stories. It takes practice. It takes practice. So Thich Nhat Hanh has four mantras he talks about at the end of this discussion with Oprah. And these four mantras I'm going to share with you because I think they can be quite beneficial. And I love these. So the first mantra is darling. Isn't that great? Darling. Term of endearment. It's not like, hey, buddy, or hey, you. It's darling. I'm here for you. And the second one is, darling, I know you're there. I know you're there, and I'm so happy that you're there, that we have this opportunity to have this meaningful and wonderful conversation. Darling, I'm here for you, and darling, I'm so glad that you're there. The third one is, darling, I know that you suffer, and that's why I'm here for you. Not all the time, but when it's appropriate. I know you're suffering, and I'm here for you. I'm going to stand with you in this. I'm going to stand in the fire with you, because I know that the divinity that lives within me lives within you. I've read enough about it. I've seen enough of it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to call forth a new idea, because this too has come. This has come to pass as well, and this is our opportunity to lean into it. And to, and to pray ourselves into a, a, a shift in consciousness through spiritual practice, through mindfulness, through prayer, through affirmation, through intention, through examining our lives and saying, man, I, this is uncomfortable. What must I do? What must I become to shift and change this? And you do it together. As the teens did at summer camp. One of the young ladies described one of the teens that showed up sort of shut down. And I've seen it over and over. Every year somebody shows up. They don't want to be there. Their mom or dad said they had to be there. Uh, and they're not talking and they're not interacting and by the end of the week they're like you know they're like they've been transformed because the, the trust has been built and the empathy has been established and the fourth one Thich Nhat Hanh says is, is the most challenging because it involves us being honest and being authentic it says darling I suffer and I'm trying to practice so please help me please help me I'm doing my best Four beautiful practices. Could you imagine the, the, the Prime Minister of Israel and, the, and the, the leader of Hamas getting together and looking at one another and saying, Darling, I'm here for you. And as he said in his, his interview, with, to, that conversation of, I know you've suffered a long time and I don't understand all your suffering, but I want to understand. And I don't want to create more suffering. I mean, there's simple words. There's only like 40 words involved. Why doesn't that happen? What would happen? Why, would, why, that, why is that a problem and a challenge for us? Because we're just not, we're not good at it. We haven't practiced it. So when you, when we, we, we talk about our youth programs here and we see our teens come back, it's one of the most important things we support for them and for us. And so it's a beautiful thing to be part of. So I want to share the last slide, which is, a, I think, a wonderful... Uh, I got this from uh, um, Louise Hay this week. I saw, saw Louise say this, and I thought, what a wonderful affirmation. So it's, I love my life, and life loves me. I love my life, and life loves me. So when you're going through your week, and you start to spin, and you start to compare, and you start to judge and blame and shame either yourself or another, just pull up, I love my life, and life loves me. That's the truth of our being. 
There's a force, unseen force for good that wants nothing but, but our lives to be fulfilled. And we're the ones, I'm the one that limits that. As soon as I get into blame or shame or I didn't, I fell short or whatever, you know, to forgive ourselves, to practice love with ourselves, and then we can do it with others. So say that with me. I love my life and life loves me. One more time. I love my life and life loves me. And so it is. Blessings. Thank you.